This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. Hello, hello. Happy Thursday. This is Let's Go There with me, Shira, and Ryan, typically, who's not here with me today, but it's all good. We are catching you up on the news of the day, pop culture. We talk about our lives, sometimes even our sex lives, and so much more with some fun music in between right here on Channel Q. Thank you, as always, for hanging out with us. And throughout the show, remember, you can hit us up on social media at LGT shows where you can slide into our DMs. But I am excited to be here. I'm actually annoyed at myself because I'm wearing a hat um, over a blowout. If you get blowouts and you pay for someone to do your hair, this is a big deal a day later to wear a hat and even work out. Typically, I won't even work out. I'll avoid working out when I get my hair done. So like you're talking about like a week where I'm like, I will not sweat break a sweat because I want to keep this hair. What about uh, dry shampoo? <laughs> oh, and then there's dry shampoo. That is an innovation. <laughs> Let me tell you, whoever st- in- invented and started that is a billionaire, probably. That was producer Vanessa, by the way. Uh, so yes, I- I am, I'm wearing my workout gear today because I was busy um, getting to the show, but I had a date night last night. My Wednesday date night. And I got to go to a drive-in movie theater, which was, of course, you know, it's always been around, but it, it got more popular with COVID. And now we can go back to movie theaters. So I don't know. I hope they continue that trend. And I got to see Pretty Woman, which if you haven't seen this 1990s classic, please see it. Uh, although, warning, it's problematic. I feel like I need to say that about any old movie. But I still enjoyed it. I think you could acknowledge the problematic problematic nature of these old movies while still enjoying it for and what it is. And how far we've become as a society. Yes, exactly. Let's celebrate how far exactly. we've come. How much more respectful we are about sex workers and how a woman doesn't need to rely on a man to save her. Although I did tell my mom after I watched that movie when I was like 10, maybe I was 10, I could have been older, uh, that I wanted to be like Pretty Woman. So I don't know what that says oh, about me. God. Anywho, let's move on. Coming up on the show, the U.S. is speaking out about the $4.4 million ransom they gave into uh, for the Colonial Pipeline shutdown. More on that in 15 minutes and why they say this company says it was the right thing to do. And should we be worried about more shutdowns like uh, of gas and how trans moms are raising their families and how that's changed during the pandemic. That's at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. But let's get into some what's trending this hour. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki announced that President Biden spoke with the Egyptian president about a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. We have seen reports of a move toward a potential ceasefire. That's clearly encouraging. Obviously, we can't get ahead of any agreements that may be brokered. But I would say that to go back to answer your original question there, Darlene, we've had uh, we've now held more than 80 engagements uh, with senior leaders in Israel, the Palestinian Authority and across the region, either in person or by phone. Uh, and uh, again, that our view and our approach has been uh, to use our 
uh, the role of the United States in the relationships uh, with countries on the ground to conduct uh, our efforts quietly and through diplomatic channels. Meanwhile, there were still mixed reports of a ceasefire with Hamas political bureau member Hussam Boudron telling a radio station that no agreement with Israel has been reached. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders is introducing a resolution disapproving of the U.S. sale of $735 million in precision-guided weapons to Israel, according to this draft obtained by the Washington Post. The resolution needs only a simple majority to pass the Senate, but if it were to be vetoed by President Biden, it would need a two-thirds majority in both chambers to take effect. So here's what Sanders had to say in this statement. At a moment when U.S.-made bombs are devastating Gaza and killing women and children, we cannot simply let another huge arms sale go through without even a congressional debate. Uh, and that was uh, some What's Trending this hour. We will have more in the next hour, of course, with some tea. We're going to add a little Ryan Tea Report in there because yes. a lot of our favorite music festivals, um, we're going to talk about this next hour, but I'll, I'm going to talk about the latest music festival to announce that they are coming back. Stick around for that. But coming up next on the show, the $1.9 billion just approved for post-January 6th capital security. More details on what it will look like and the fight that went down between Democrats to get there. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, now today House Democrats passed a $1.9 billion emergency funding bill for post-January 6th capital security. $1.9 billion. Which um, is wild, and it's wild how quickly it happened. It felt very quick. Meanwhile, doesn't it feel pretty slow when they have to pass any sort of pandemic relief or any sort of relief or whatsoever? That too. Well, that just feels like it's never going to happen. But anyway, it, it happened with a tight vote. Democrats did not get along around this as much as you think. The vote had the number at 213 versus 212. So one person <laughs> made it lean towards the pass. It's intended to fortify the U.S. Capitol, all this mon- money, but it does face an uncertain path in the Senate as Republicans continue to question the need for additional legislation to respond to the attack on the Capitol. Because as we know, according to a lot of Republicans, there was barely an attack. It was like a tourist attraction. And all these folks were just peaceful protesters hanging out. <laughs> Taking selfies. Can we leave them alone already? They're being discriminated against. Tear, tear. Well, the passage of the bill follows also the House approval of that measure that would set up an independent commission to investigate what led to the insurrection. There seems just to be lots of debates around how both Republicans and Democrats want to deal with this. It's not just the uh, commission. Now there's this money that's going to be put forth to create more security. So you might be asking yourself, well, what is this going to pay for? That's a lot of money. Are we okay with all that money being spent just on this? Well, according to reports, it's going to pay back the National Guard and Washington, D.C. for costs incurred securing the Capitol this year and provide the Capitol Police with overtime pay, retention bonuses and trauma resources. It also would create a response force that would aid the Capitol Police in emergencies, boost security for members of Congress and fortify doors and windows in the Capitol. But it wasn't as easy for Democrats to pass this. You would think because a lot of Dems have been saying, yeah, this was an insurrection. It was an attack. Let's call it what it was. They actually had last minute resistance from the squad. That's right. Elon Omar, Ayanna Presley, AOC, 
objected to more cash for the Capitol Police because it all didn't include new accountability measures. They wanted more knowledge about whether some officers were actually indirectly complicit in the January 6th riot. So Elon Omer, uh, Omar said, I'm frankly tired of any time when there is a failure in our system of policing. The first response is for us to give them more money. She has been, of course, as we know, a longtime proponent of policing reform. So it's actually not surprising that the squad was against putting more money into police, even though when we say security, it doesn't necessarily mean just the police. But she said that she witnesses failures in police preparedness and procedures and the lack of political will. She saw this to stop the rioters on January 6th. She said, it's not clear to me how the supplemental addresses that. So she is one of several Democrats who raised questions about possible extremism within the ranks of the Capitol Police, which I mean, that's a fair question to wonder if they were complicit in this. However, when you have someone who died, one of the capitalists who died and put his life at risk for your life, it can be a bit tone deaf, right? Like you can call out the police, but then also it's insulting for this group of people who continue to put their lives at risk for you still working in the Capitol. Um, And, you know, several were actually suspended without pay as part of this probe of the January 6th riot. Um, So anyway, so they're against this. But meanwhile, the Senate will move forward on a vote June 14th. So we'll have until June 14th to see if this will actually get passed. Um, All the while, you know, that um, January 6th commission, even though it did pass the House, the Senate could vote as early as next week on the legislation that is all about creating an independent commission to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. So lots happening, and we will be continuing to report it right here on Let's Go There. As always, let us know what you think at LGT Show and social media. We love hearing from you. But coming up, why the Colonial Pipeline CEO says paying the $4.4 million ransom was the right thing to do for the country. What does that mean? We find out more next with The Washington Post. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Colonial Pipeline paid hackers $4.4 million. That was the ransom to get control of its computer systems and restart fuel delivery on the East Coast. Jacob Bogage is back. Yeah, thanks for having me. And of course, Jacob, a reminder, he's the business and tech reporter for The Washington Post. Love having him on. Now, the CEO of the Colonial Pipeline spoke to the Wall Street Journal. You reported about this story, but... Give us a lowdown. Were they prepared for this at all, or did it come out of nowhere? Um, what he told the journal was, you know, they spend millions of dollars on cybersecurity every year. They know they manage a piece of really critical infrastructure. And, um, you know, this kind of came out of nowhere. They, they discovered a, a message, a ransom note from a hacker on a computer in the company's control room at 530 in the morning. Wow. Um, and within a half an hour, they were on the phone with the CEO going, uh, I think we got a problem here. Um, and that touched off the colonial pipeline hack that uh, has affected so many of us. Yeah. And you said the CEO said the payment was necessary given the essential nature of the company's infrastructure. Why is that? And why was it the right thing to do for the country? Yeah, I mean, that's what Joseph, Joseph Blunt, the CEO, said. He said, you know, we decided we had to pay because it was the right thing for the country. And, and it's important to remember, law enforcement officials, when cyber hacks occur, ransomware hacks occur, they tell companies, do not pay. 
don't pay because then you're not only funding the bad guys, but it gives the bad guys incentive to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Tell them we're not going to negotiate with you. We'll find an end run. Don't pay. And and pretty immediately, Joseph Blunt said uh, he came to the conclusion that, hey, we have to pay. And that's because the pipeline is so important. It supplies nearly half of the fuel uh, to the East Coast. That's gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Um, wow. And so, you know, so I live just outside Washington, D.C. in Maryland. The, the gas pumps around me are empty. You know, my mother called me one day and said, uh, Jacob, are the, you know, where are gas stations that you've passed recently that are open? I need gas. I have to get to a meeting. So, you know, it, it affected so many people in such a fundamental way. And then, of course, the panic buying that struck mm-hmm. the East Coast, um, which was so incredibly predictable, um, just made the situation all the much worse. And do we know who these hackers are? Yes and no. We know what they call themselves. They're a group called Dark Side. Uh, and they're based in Eastern Europe. And mostly folks believe that's Russia, um, which has a very amenable climate, shall we say, to uh, black hat Internet groups. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> however, you know, almost immediately after the hack, Dark Side disbanded. They said, hey, we're breaking up. Um that's not super uncommon after these high profile hacks because there's a lot of heat coming down on them from international governments and law enforcement agencies. Um, and so they'll break up and then they'll get back together a couple months later and call themselves something different. So uh, we don't know exactly who it was. We know that the group is called dark side. We know dark side disbanded, but the folks who were part of that group will probably just pop back up sometime soon under another name. Wow, what's that show? There was an award-winning show about hackers. Reminds me of that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's the Wild West. It's, yes. It's, so um, I think a lot of people were a bit peeved about how they found out that Colonial's operational systems weren't affected, but they just stopped the fuel service out of an abundance of caution. People were like, really? We went through all of this for no reason in a way? What's your take on their decision to do that and then everyone else's reaction? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't have much of a take other than I sympathize with both Colonial and with consumers. If you're a consumer and you go, you mean we did all that out of caution and like you caused all this hardship yes. and gas prices spiked out of caution? Like, are you kidding me? But if you're that company, you know, if you don't shut down operations, they had no way of knowing how far these hackers have infiltrated into their systems. So if they hadn't um, sequestered their operational systems by shutting them off, maybe the hackers could have accessed them as well and caused a lot more pain than what we went through. I mean, this was really annoying and it was awful and it displayed in stark relief the vulnerabilities of the American infrastructure system. However, it only lasted for a week. So it it could have been, you know, that's not a great PR line, right? But the idea that it could have been so much worse um, is startling. So what's being done to make sure this doesn't happen again or can we ensure that that's a great question and uh the answer is one of my favorite things to say in in the world of journalism we don't know what we don't know yeah um this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Black hat groups are really sophisticated. And if they can get into something like Colonial Pipeline, then, um, you know, what else could they get into? You know, you can only do so much to shore, shore up your systems and make sure they're both functional for your company and your organization and your employees. Um, and your customers, but also keep them pretty bulletproof. Um, and if there are bad actors that are going to exploit that, you know, you're sadly just not going to be able to stop them every time. You sh- we should note the Biden administration has said we're taking on this group, you know, and we're and we're putting law enforcement um, resources to bear to try to stop them. And President Biden said he'd bring it up with Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, about uh, the climate for cyber criminals. Uh, in Russia and in the rest of Eastern Europe. Okay. Well, that was Jacob Bogage, business and tech reporter for The Washington Post. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Shira. Now, coming up, why social media is calling out Kendall Jenner again for the announcement of her tequila brand. More on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. To celebrate the California launch of her new tequila brand, 818, Kendall Jenner shared some promo materials, which have been met with a lot of questions. So she posted on Instagram these shots from the campaign, writing, what an incredible experience I've had thus far learning about this beautiful place, Jalisco, Mexico. It's beautiful culture and the beautiful people. Uh, She's shown on horseback, riding through agave plants, sipping tequila on the back of a pickup truck. You know the drill. And people were like, um, this feels like cultural appropriation once again. Back with us is stand-up comedian Nikki Paris. So, Nikki. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for being here again. Thanks for having me. What is your take on this? Was it really that problematic or was it like this is what we all do when we're having some tequila? Okay, Shira. So, every time I see Kendall with a beverage in her hand, I break out in hives. Anybody at this point can relate because, you know, it never ends well. That's like, true. she can literally ruin, like, any beverage deal. Like, if she wants to collaborate with the Kool-Aid man, I have to put my foot down. I cannot have her tarnish all his hard work. You know, I just feel like I need to talk to Chris Jenner. I'm calling her as soon as I'm done with this. I'm going to be like, Chris, listen to me. Kendall's brand deals moving forward are, like, going through the TSA. No liquids. <laughs> 
stick to it. You know, everybody's getting so up in arms about the cultural. You know, I do see what people are talking about. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like at first people got upset because, you know, she wasn't honoring, you know, the farmers mm-hmm. and the workers. And yeah. this time she's with them. But there's so many men like The Rock and George Clooney. How many men have put out tequila brands totally. and they didn't receive this type of backlash? The difference is I feel like they don't do these like model-esque shoots. They're like in a studio or at the bar. Like, let's keep it simple. You don't need to act like you're right. in the middle of a field when you're ha- having a drink. Listen to me, Shira. I'm not even sure, allegedly, that Kendall knows how to spell tequila. So I think everybody just needs to take a breather for a second. You know what I mean? I I just think it's all crazy. If she was putting out a brand of hurricanes, you know, the drink, the hurricanes, what is the Weather Channel going to put out a statement now? Let's all just calm down. You know, I I do understand what people are saying, but, you know, I think that a lot of men have done it. And and The Rock, like I saw a picture of him wearing matching outfits with the farmers in the field. So, you know. That is interesting. I do think there is a double standard here. Yeah, as you mentioned, we all know George Clooney, who got, by the way, very rich off tequila. The Rock, Nick Jonas, Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan. uh, They have not been called out for doing this. And yet, yes, someone of her level is being called out, which isn't that surprising because of her background with drinks and beverages, as you mentioned. And with the fact, like, I think we easily bring down the Kardashian-Jenner family because of how much money they have, right? I mean, it's it's an easy target. And, And you know what? The Rock used to give people the flying elbow off the turnbuckle. So, you know, I think Kendall should just stick to PacSun. That's my message. You know, to, I, you know, the denim cutoff shorts, they look great. Stick to what you know. I heard that the younger generation doesn't even call it tequila. They just call it Kila. They call it what I throw up in mommy and daddy's sink. I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So overall, uh, so do you think this is going to do well or not? You know, I think it's all for publicity, you know, unfortunately. And I think that, you know, I'd be willing to try the tequila you know, and, and get back to you. Uh, you know, I'm more upset that she decided to wear pigtails in the campaign. That's never a good look. And, uh, except for Dorothy Gale, that's where I draw the line on the pigtails. Well, thank you for your review. 818 tequila. (laughs) Look out for it in a store near you very soon. Uh, Nikki Paris, stand-up comedian will be back with us in the next hour, but you can find out more about all his upcoming shows on his Instagram, Twitter. It's Nikki Paris B word. I can't say it on air, but you get the point. Now coming up, a trans non-binary candidate has had a historic primary win in Pennsylvania. Find out who next on our What's Trending this hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. It's Shira and Ryan. I was going to say filling in for Ryan. No, Ryan is usually here. He's not here today. So it's just me. So yeah, I'm filling in for both of us here. And coming up, the Sex and the City sequel has announced a non-binary character. I'll tell you who in a few minutes. Plus the unique parenting challenges trans moms experienced during the pandemic. That's in 30 minutes right here on the show. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Governor Andrew Cuomo announced a state lottery plan called Vaccine Scratch. For residents who get vaccinated next week, one-upping, I guess, the Ohio $1 million lottery. Uh-huh. <laughs> Vax and Sprax, take it. 
has its first prize of five million, but a number of prizes that go down to twenty dollars. At the same press conference. Uh, by the way, that is an intense announcement. Vax and scratch. Um, Governor Andrew Cuomo responded to criticism that his $5.1 million COVID book contract allowed him to profit off of people who died, saying simply, that's stupid. And according to the Washington Post, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo took part in a series of strategy calls with his brother and his brother's staff on how the governor should respond to misconduct allegations. Uh, the network says he shouldn't have participated in that and won't going forward. CNN responded saying that. Uh, So that was reported by the Washington Post. And we've got an early Yaz queen. Tyler Titus has won the Democratic primary for county executive in Erie County, Pennsylvania, and is on track to become the first out transgender person to hold this type of post in the nation. Titus is a mental health counselor, already made history when they were elected to the Erie School Board in 2017, becoming the first out trans elected official in Pennsylvania. And Titus is currently board president, one of only nine um, non-binary elected officials in the U.S. The city of Erie is the county seat for Erie County. Uh, So congrats. This is huge. Tyler Titus, a name definitely you should look out for and check out. And finally, a little entertainment news with our little tea report here. (laughs) Former Grey's Anatomy actor Sarah Ramirez will join the cast of And Just Like That. That's the Sex and the City sequel. Alongside Sarah Jessica Parker, Kristen Davis, and Cynthia Nixon as a series regular. Ramirez stars as Che Diaz using they, them pronouns, a non-binary queer stand-up comedian that hosts a podcast where Carrie Bradshaw is regularly featured. That's according to the release today. And they said, Che is a big presence with a big heart, whose outrageous sense of humor and progressive human overview of gender roles has made them and their podcast very popular. Now, you might know Ramirez from uh, their role as Dr. Kelly Torres on Grey's Anatomy. Yes. And in 2016, the actor came out as bisexual and last year announced they are non-binary. So congrats to Sarah Ramirez on this big role. That's huge and really important. So awesome. Love that. And that was a little what's trending uh, this hour and some tea for you. But coming up on the show, how activism could make the world and also your sex life better. That's next. But first... As a reminder, 4D with Demi Lovato is available now on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are available. New episodes of the podcast made in partnership with Cadence, SB Projects, OBB Sound, if you're wondering, will be available every Wednesday. As we know, Demi came out as non-binary yesterday. We love that for them. They're going to share and explore their heart and everything that they're curious about, experiences, etc., and feature voices, what they're saying is are raising the collective frequency of their community and also fans and listeners. So it's called 4D with Demi Lovato. Check it out right now. And we'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Are you into social justice changing the world? Well, it might also be improving your sex life, too. Love it. Win-win. Joining us right now is Chanel Gallant, a queer activist who's been working at the intersections of sex and social justice for over two decades. Uh, And also, 
She has appeared in dozens of publications, including Pleasure Activism and Beyond Survival, Stories and Strategies from the Transformative Justice Movement. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Shira. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Well, I love this topic. And in this article that you're featured in, they talk about the sexual and political revolution of the 1970s and what it meant for the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, Tell us more about that and how it's informed where we're at today. I mean, that was kind of one of my inspirations for writing this column. So I approached this queer magazine, Extra, and said, you know, I want to uh, write this column that uh, gets us to go back to the basics of our queer and trans elders who understood sexual freedom as connected to these much larger struggles for human freedom, you know, connected to struggles against racism, capitalism, patriarchy, and so on. And so that was kind of the inspiration, actually, for the column was, You know, having done 20 years of work around sexuality and social justice, I saw that the way we were approaching sexual liberation was often very narrow, and I didn't think it was getting us free. That's so interesting. And and so is there a change happening now? I mean, it seems like when we look back, there were movements Mm -hmm. in the past, and it felt very liberated, but I guess in hindsight, it was still limiting. You know, it's interesting because if we go back to the 80s, You know, we saw the AIDS epidemic take center stage in queer politics at the time. But then and now you can see how political sexual freedom is Mm -hmm. and how it's actually really about whose lives are valued. And that's what's interesting to me. Like during, you know, we can compare it to this pandemic where we've seen such a huge difference it makes when the government actually takes lives seriously. Um, You know, back in the 80s, the government could have declared AIDS an emergency. Mm -hmm. They could have poured this funding into scientific research, into peer-led, you know, uh, education and safer sex campaigns, and they didn't. They didn't because they just didn't really value the lives of the people who were dying of AIDS. Um, And instead, we got homophobia, you know, queers being um, targeted for their sexuality, when really it just actually wasn't the government doing its job. And so this, to me, is a great example about how all along Sex is always connected to whose lives are valued. And yeah, that looks different now. It looks different in 2021 where, uh, you know, we've got a political landscape where trans people are enormously under attack in a way that is really uh, unprecedented. But the principle is still the the same, which is that um, sexual liberation is always related to a kind of whose life is considered worthy. Mm, yeah, and, and there's so much more work that needs to be done if that's how we're looking at it, obviously. So when I feel like I use the buzz term, you know, when I said activism can improve our sex lives, yeah. uh, what yeah. does that actually mean when we look at it like this? Right. I'm so glad you asked because that's exactly what I'm writing about. So, you know, <clears throat> the kind of the argument that I want to explore over the, the course of these, these six um, columns is that if we want to free sexuality, we have to free the people, right? We have to ensure that actually all life is valued and resourced. And how do we do that? Well, we need to fight for that. So, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, just to give you an example, like people at the top of the hierarchy, they have all kinds of sexual freedoms, right? They have access to the kind of sex they want. Um, They're not sexually stereotyped. They're very unlikely to be sexually harassed at work because their life is just considered more valuable. And so for me, the relationship between sex and activism is if we want sex to be free for everyone, then we have to make 
um, we have to eliminate those hierarchies. We have to address things like racism and, you know, our capitalist economy that exploits people as a terrible immigration system, um, sexism that devalues women, because all of those tell us that some people are less worthy. Mm. And then those people get robbed of control over their sexualities. And the way we fix that is through activism. Activism is the way we deal with those big structural problems because I see activism as the way that people who are directly targeted by a problem come together and fight back. And that's where I think the the solution to the problems are, is the the people who are directly impacted by it. Yeah, and, and when there's freedom for all, when we all feel safe in our own skin and with each other, we can be more ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, for me, that's that's kind of the cool thing about sexual liberation, as I understand it, is that it's not that we all have sex or we don't have sex or we even enjoy sex. It's actually kind of neutral on that. It's that we get to be in charge of our own bodies. We get to decide what kind of sex we want or don't want. And we don't have that right now. Right now, we have a world with a lot of sexual harm in it. And LGBTQ people are at a much higher risk of being sexually harassed. Um, abused of kids and sexually assaulted. And those are big problems that are about the structural oppression of LGBTQ people, uh, but oppression across the board too, you know. So I'm going to look at migrant justice in, the, in, the, in my column. I'm going to look at defunding the police. I'm going to look at indigenous sovereignty. Uh, I'm going to look at disability justice and how all of those are actually related to freeing our sexualities. Well, this is uh, so important, and there's so much more we can talk about in terms of this conversation. Where can people find this column? It is um, published on Extra Magazine, which is spelled X-T-R-A, so there's no E at the beginning. So, Or you can just go to, you can find me on Twitter, and I'm just at Chanel Gallant. Love it. Well, we hope to have you back to continue this. Thanks, Shira. It was, it, was a, it was great chatting with you. Yes, you too. You're great. That was Chanel Gallant, queer activist. Go check out her work at extramagazine.com. Now coming up, the research that shares what trans moms experienced during the pandemic and what they worry about most when things get back to normal. That's next. Let's go there. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. With Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As we continue to look at our experiences during the pandemic, this sociologist decided to focus specifically on trans moms, and they are here to share what they discovered. Derek Siegel, PhD candidate in sociology at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, thanks for being here today. Yes, thanks so much for having me, Shira. So you study inequality and reproduction. We've seen a lot of reports about parents during the pandemic, but why was it important for you to focus specifically on trans moms? Uh, For me, uh, it was really important because, yes, trans moms and trans parents in general face a lot of the same challenges as other parents. Uh, So balancing childcare and work, but they also face um, unique challenges that aren't talked about enough. And so it was really important for me to dive into those conversations. Definitely. And how did you go about doing this? Because getting that information can be challenging. Absolutely. Uh, And so I've spoken to over 50 trans women so far, and I sent a uh, call for participants out through the communities that I'm a part of. And it's been an amazing response because often trans women aren't associated with parenthood. uh, And in fact, so many trans women can't imagine themselves as parents because there are so many negative messages and stereotypes about trans women. And so it has led to great conversations when they're finally asked about what are the challenges they face and what are their hopes for the future. Mm, I'm sure that's very, actually, they're very beautiful and needed. Definitely. So what did you discover in doing this? Let's get through these discoveries, because this will definitely inform us as to how we get to create and, and continue to ensure the safe, the laws and the safety of the trans community and specifically women. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, one of my findings was that uh, not all trans women face the same challenges. So I learned about how in some ways being middle class was a shield from some forms of transphobia. Hmm. So some of my respondents were able to uh, pick up and move to neighborhoods or schools that were more trans friendly or were able to have the education and experience to move to industries that were more friendly to trans women. Uh, but that's one of the reasons it's so important that we pass protections for trans people in employment, in housing, but also in adoption and family court, uh, because there are only five states in the U.S. that explicitly bar discrimination based on gender identity. So a lot of my respondents who wanted to adopt faced a lot of challenges. And again, those stereotypes that trans women aren't good parents. Yeah, that it's it's so unfortunate. And when will there be protection so that doesn't happen or just people not being so ignorant, right? And and understanding that that's just not the case. Now, also, you discovered, uh, obviously, discrimination happens, as you mentioned, uh, job loss. How did that impact trans moms differently than other types of parents? Mm-hmm. And so um, 
trans people in general already face a lot of uh, economic discrimination in jobs. And so when trans parents lose their jobs, uh, the stakes can be a little higher. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I spoke to somebody who uh, had made the decision not to come out to her family because she was relying on them for financial support during the pandemic. That's one of those examples of things that uh, affect trans parents a little bit differently than uh, parents in general. And what about, uh, are there a lot of trans moms that are single and that don't have support, probably, like other uh, family dynamics? Yeah, and so some trans women have amazing relationships with their families of origin, but others don't have that kind of support. And so they don't have those people to lean on during a pandemic, those networks to reach out to. Uh, And so that can definitely be a challenge when it comes to parenting. What's the overall takeaway from this that you want to leave people with? You know, for me, it's that despite all of these barriers, trans women are amazing parents. And so, so many of the women I spoke to were afraid of how transitioning might affect their kids Mm -hmm. because there are so many messages out there about that. But some of their kids have become their biggest supporters. And so it was really important for me to do this research and share these stories Because a lot of the women I spoke to don't know other trans women who parent. Mm -hmm. And so increasing this kind of visibility is just as important as uh, addressing those legal restrictions and giving those legal protections uh, for trans women. Well, thank you so much for being here. That was Derek Siegel, PhD candidate in sociology at the University of Massachusetts. Amherst, have a great night. Thank you so much. Coming up, uh, Twitter just announced that you can now apply to get verified. We'll tell you how to get that check mark like all those celebs and important people next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know that Twitter verified check mark? It's been the hot ticket for years. Let me tell you, that is a hard thing to get. People always hit me up. Can you introduce me to someone at Twitter? How do I get this check mark? I need it or else it means I can't exist as a human. Hopefully we have bigger goals in this life, but it's been hard in the past, I will say, but Twitter is now making it easier. You now have an official way to make that happen. We're about to tell you how. And back with us is comedian Nikki Paris as we dive in. Thanks again for playing with us today. Excited to be back. So are you happy about this? Was it hard for you to get your check mark? You know, no. And you know what? Let me just say something for everybody to hear. Being verified does not make you a good person. It does not make you an important person. Please stop using hairspray and pick up trash on the side of the road. That's how you can impress me. Now, Shira, right before the pandemic, I was at a nightclub. Mm -hmm. And this girl was trying to get the bartender's attention. And she showed him her Twitter verification. And then she goes to me, see, it worked. I said, actually, your boobs out. Come on. And she, I swear on my life, and she thought it was a Twitter verification. So, I mean, I don't think we need to gas people anymore. And, and is it such a big deal? Like, does it really hold any weight? Like, what's next? Oh, I'm verified on MySpace. Why don't you send me a telegram at that rate? Right? You know what I mean? You know, I, th- I do think we put too much importance on this. I was, I'll tell you the perk of it, of it, and then I want to get into how you could do it. Or else then this is just us, you know, venting about Twitter, which we do. Uh, so... <laughs> You know, it, it helps when you, you do tweet at like a celebrity or a quote unquote important person. I hate to say it. And then they will see you more easily than someone who just randomly 
retweets them. And that's the benefit of it. But once again, it creates this hierarchy between like the important people, the VIPs and the everyone else. Right. And I think this is just a way for Twitter to keep people on Twitter. They're playing you like a fiddle, America, because, you know, Twitter, you know, it ebbs and flows. Some people use it more than others, but it's definitely not the most prominent, you know, social media site anymore. So I think that this is their way of gaslighting everybody to being on Twitter more. And you know what, kids? Read a book, please. (laughs) I'm begging you. Stop doing the TikTok dances. Real dancers move their feet. Get an education. Put, you know, enrich your brain, please. Even for the adults. The children are our future, Shira, and I'm scared. That's true. All right, so let's get into how you can apply. It's very easy. You just go to Twitter account verification on mobile. Go to settings, privacy account request verification, start request. If you need to listen to this again, listen to our our podcast and slow it down. (laughs) You'll understand. But basically, it's on your settings and privacy on your Twitter. And then you need to include whether you're an activist, organizer, or influencer, your company, brand, organization, entertainer, entertainment groups, like if you're from the government, journalists, or news organizations, sports, etc. And actually, you need to provide a government-issued ID. So they're not going to let any trolls join this. Like if you just have a fake persona, it's not going to work. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly people end up becoming verified or how easily. And you need press. I think you have to show like press links, too. So this is a good time for everybody's Voyage L.A. articles. (laughs) That's a very insider thing. Yes, everyone has a Voyage L.A. article. (laughs) And if you don't know what that is, you could look it up. (laughs) Okay, Nikki Paris again. Thanks for joining us for this. You'll be back in the next hour. Nikki is an amazing comedian, if you didn't know from him being here. Uh, He's performing at Las Vegas Laugh Factory end of June 21st to 23rd. Check him out on Twitter. Where can people find you? Nikki Paris B-Word. Exactly. Okay. I was going to see your Instagram, but we're talking about Twitter. So, you know, let's promote that. Yes. But uh, coming up on the show, news that J.K. Rowling has canceled this other big-time author for defending trans women. The drama that's being reported next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back. It is Shira. Ryan is not here today. We miss him. But we've got a lot of goodness coming uh, for you in this hour. We have an expert joining us to explain which alcohol makes you more hungover in 15 minutes. This is exactly what we need to know. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) And I'm excited for this. What exactly causes boredom in a relationship? This is something that could support all of us right now. Only the people with relationships. And no, but I chose it, this for you. Exactly. I appreciate that. But even if you're not, this is good for you to know either to look back at your previous ones and That's figure true. out what happened or looking forward. You should always be a student of relationships if you want to be in a relationship. You don't need to just be in one. Just saying. There you go. Okay, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Biden is finally sharing more from his latest conversation with Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. This uh, just came out this past hour. Earlier today, I spoke with President al-Sisi of Egypt. Minister Prime Minister Netanyahu informed me that Israel has agreed to a mutual unconditional ceasefire to begin in less than two hours. The Egyptians have now informed us that Hamas and the other groups in Gaza have also agreed. In my conversation with President Netanyahu, I commended him for the decision to bring the current hostilities to a close within less than 11 days. I also emphasize what I've said throughout this conflict. The United States fully supports Israel's right to defend itself against indiscriminate rocket attacks from Hamas 
and other Gaza-based terrorist groups that have taken the lives of innocent civilians in Israel. Netanyahu's security cabinet voted today in favor of stopping their military activity in the Gaza Strip as the Palestinian militant group Hamas agrees to, quote, a mutual and simultaneous ceasefire. And that is according to Reuters. It is expected to go into effect on Friday. And uh, news of this impending ceasefire comes after lots of international pressure for an end to the violence between both sides. At least 230 Palestinians have been killed in the recent conflict, and that's according to the Gaza Health Ministry, while 12 people in Israel have also been killed, and that's according to Israeli authorities. Now, a law that prevents defense attorneys from using the gay or trans panic defense has been delayed, and it's all because of the capital insurrection. Let me explain. So federal law requires all laws passed by the district to get congressional approval and the laws must be actually hand delivered to Congress. So this is old school. So it can only be done if it's hand delivered. But there was a safety fence installed around the Capitol following the attack by former President Trump's followers that prevented the legislation from being delivered. And the bill requires a 60 day review by Congress. So under all these requirements, The bill couldn't be submitted until uh, February 16th at the earliest. The added delay in delivering it means the law did not go into effect on May 12th when it was supposed to. Instead, it will happen any day now, which is good. But can you believe that? Because of the insurrection, this D.C. gay panic ban was delayed. So it's the impact of things you don't even realize. It's a domino effect. But that was really fascinating when that came out. Now let's get into some entertainment news with a little tea. Author Stephen King is speaking out about cancel culture, but his take is going to surprise fans. It's not one of those conversations again. He says that he experienced getting canceled, not from fans or social media, but by fellow writer J.K. Rowling. He tweeted, um, well, he said that that she canceled him um, because he tweeted that trans women are women after Rowling had recently attacked trans women on Twitter. So basically what had gone down is one of the tweets in one of Rowling's recent threads quoted an author, Andrea Dworkin. And he obviously hadn't seen the rest of it. Like, one, he should have known not to retweet her at all. (laughs) Like, you just don't retweet J.K. Rowling unless you want to get into a mess. But so he retweeted that specific part of the thread. And then Rowling thought that he was, like, agreeing with her. And so, um, you know, then he got called out by his fans like, you should watch. It seems like you're um, you're supporting this turf. And do you believe that trans women are women? And so he goes, yes, of course, trans women are women. And that's when Rowling deleted her praise of King because she had praised him for retweeting her. And he said, Joe canceled me. She sort of blocked me and all that. So here's the thing he added, Stephen King. She is welcome to her opinion. That's the way the world works. If she thinks that trans women are dangerous or that trans women are somehow not women or whatever problem she has with it, the idea that someone is masquerading as a woman is going to assault a real woman in the toilet. If she believes all those things, she has a right to her opinion. I I sped through that almost because I kind of think even that response was problematic. You should have just said she canceled me. That's her problem. Peace. Don't then say that's her that's her opinion. She has a right to her opinion. Well, of course she does. But she's also a major public figure and she's supporting problematic narratives that attack a group of people that are already being murdered and attacked. So, yeah, I would say that she has a right to opinion, but it's not right. 
So that was a little what's trending this hour. Uh, but we've got some more fun stuff here on Odyssey. You know, Channel Q is on the Odyssey app. And our podcast, Let's Go There, is on the Odyssey app. Guess what's also on the Odyssey app? Us and Demi Lovato. They have a new podcast, 4D with Demi Lovato, available now on Odyssey. Check it out. New episodes every Wednesday. Of course, a big congrats again to Lovato for coming out as non-binary yesterday. So they're going to be sharing and exploring what's on their heart in the corners of their minds on this new podcast, which is huge. So excited. Curiosities, experiences, movements, and voices that raise the collective frequency of their community of listeners and fans so they too can experience life in 4D. Sounds pretty radical. <laughs> I feel like I, I would get it. You know, you enter, you enter a new world when you listen to this podcast. So again, check out 4D with Demi Lovato on Odyssey right now. And we want to congratulate them on all this new stuff, exploring this new journey of their life as well. Coming up on the show, which alcohol makes you more hungover? I mean, this is something that could help all of us right now because we got to be responsible, productive adults. And so, still drink. Exactly. (laughs) Safely. That's next. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Getting a hangover sucks, doesn't it? I mean, typically for me it happens when I mix a bunch of alcohols. But everyone has their alcohol that they get a hangover with. So we're here to help you figure out which ones not to drink and why you get a hangover at all. How does that even work? Lewis Nelson joins us right now, chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School and Chief of the Division of Medical Toxicology at New Jersey Medical School. Lots of stuff. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So first, and by the way, I, I love this story because it's so relatable and needed. This is needed <laughs> information. What causes a hangover exactly? Uh, it's a harder question to answer than you'd think. But as best we understand it, there are really two problems. Right? The first problem is the alcohol interferes with your brain and changes the way water moves and electrolytes move and everything gets all sort of out of kilter. Um, And that has to be fixed over time. And, you know, it takes a couple of hours after you stop drinking. But the other part of it is that there are these other molecules that are in alcohol or in alcoholic beverages, right? Um, they're, They're often small and aromatic in nature, but they also interfere with the way your brain functions. Unlike the alcohol part of it, it's these other molecules, which we call congeners, that probably do more damage leading to the hangover. And when I say damage, they don't actually damage the, the brain, but they lead to changes in the way the brain functions that are temporary and take, as everybody knows, a couple of hours to days to reverse. Yeah, and but wouldn't alcohol companies take the congeners out then <laughs> if they know that this is what creates it? 
Or you can't do that? No, just just the opposite. I mean, the congeners are what makes alcoholic beverages what they are. If you were just to drink alcohol with no congeners in it, you would be drinking grain alcohol or vodka, which has very few congeners. But what makes wine wine and what makes bourbon bourbon and what makes beer beer are the congeners. Right? It's all the things that give the body, the, the color, the texture, the odor, the flavor to the, to the alcohol itself are the congeners. They're uh, special. Yeah. They're important. You wouldn't drink it otherwise. So this is fascinating. Um, why is it that we get a worse hangover as we get older? Is that a thing or is that just in our head? Uh, probably true. I think, you know, your, your body changes as you age. You're, if you think about what really happens, the, the neurons in your brain are mostly made out of lipid, which is really fat. And the way the alcohol works is it dissolves in that fat and it changes the way the nerves function. And mm. as you get older, your brain changes and you lose volume, you lose fat, you, the way that you know, your body just overall functions, including your brain change. So it wouldn't be very surprising to think that the effect of alcohol on an aging brain is different than it is on a young brain. Well, let's get into the question on everyone's minds. What types of booze will give you a bad hangover and then no hangover? Well, the, the answer to the last part of the question is easy. There's nothing that won't give you a hangover if you, if you drink enough of it. Yeah. Because um, remember, there's two parts to getting a hangover. There's the alcohol part. And if you're drinking alcohol, there's alcohol. Right? But then there's the congener part. So the fewer congeners that there are in a beverage the less your hangover will be, all other things being equivalent, mm-hmm. right? So if you drank a clear, meaning vodka or, or grain alcohol um, beverage uh, in the same quantity that you drank a colored or dark or an aromatic beverage, because it's not just the color. Remember, the best example is gin, which is clear, but because it has a specific odor that you recognize as gin, those are the congeners that make it smell that way. Right, so all of those aromatic and colored and tasty beverages um, all lead to a worse hangover. So you can't say necessarily that one bourbon compared to a different bourbon compared to a rye compared to a gin compared to a wine are going to be any different. But I'm sure if you went down at some level, which we don't really know, you could probably predict exactly the answer to your question about which is the least likely and the most likely. But probably the most important factor is how much you drink. <laughs> yeah, that right? makes not sense. Not what you drink. Because if you drink a small amount and, you know, and, you, and you're careful, you probably won't have a hangover. Yeah. But so, if you drink a large amount of even vodka, you're going to have a hangover. And w- why is it that mixing the alcohols, people think that that can give you a worse hangover? Uh, I, I'm not sure that that's or necessarily true. I think that I think on the one hand, when you mix, you're drinking more, right, just by the nature of the yeah. fact that you're mixing. Um, but, but again, we don't know enough about how these congeners specifically play. Right. So obviously it's possible that the combination of any of these congeners leads to a worse effect than, you know, any one of them alone. This is we're getting into theory here. We don't really have good answers to these questions. And I'm not even sure it's true that that happens. But I think we do believe it to be true. All right. So vodka, I guess, is your easiest bet. Just don't drink it so much of it. Be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, clear. That would be the safe. And not as much of a smell. That's the answer. Lewis Nelson. Thanks for being here. <laughs> My pleasure. Anytime. Yeah. New- Thank you for having me. Lewis N- Nelson is from Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School. Definitely an expert at toxicology and alcohol. Coming up on the show, what exactly causes boredom in a relationship? We've got those answers for you next. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So you've been through the honeymoon stage of your relationship and you've suddenly hit a wall and boredom sets in. The question is, is this a good enough reason to call it quits? Marissa Cohen joins us right now, head of couple relationships at Paired. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I I love any relationship conversation, to be honest. Uh, And I am in a relationship right now. When do you think boredom sets in? Like, when is the the usual, the mark of the relationship when that starts? So you mentioned the honeymoon stage of a relationship, and there's kind of like a wide range. But the honeymoon stage is at the very beginning of a relationship. It lasts like 12 plus or minus six months. So like on the short end, it could be six months. On the long end, a year and a half. And that's a time when... You know, you're looking through, you're looking at one another through these rose-tinted glasses. Everything is wonderful. You know, sex is at an all-time high, and there's, like, a lot of passion. And, you know, as we start to get more comfortable with one another and let our guard down, that's when things become more familiar and we kind of fall into a pattern. And that's when, for some people... What they perceive of as boredom can set in, but that's not always necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, so let's talk about that. How could we reframe how we look at boredom in a relationship? Well, boredom, um, what some people might view of boredom, might just be comfort. And, you know, something that really ha- important happens as you come out of that honeymoon stage of the relationship, because as you get to know one another better, that's when you're sharing important things like your deepest, darkest fears, wants, desires, life goals. You really start to understand one another in terms of your values, your morals, your beliefs. And that's when you really solidify a relationship for the long term. And you know that you're going to grow together instead of apart. So um, while things might not seem as passionate and as exciting, you've got a real strong companion by this point. But you know, there's plenty of ways that if you want to ignite that passion in your relationship, you can continue to do that. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. Because it's so interesting. I, uh, I'm usually with my uh, with my current b- partner, my boyfriend, uh, we have date nights on Wednesdays, and we hang out on weekends. He's been very busy lately. And I mm-hmm. noticed the distance at first, I have this longing, and then I just get into, oh, I'm going to just focus on me. And we start having these superficial conversations and I find I'm getting bored when I'm not with him. And I think that's really interesting. I could see how long distance relationships, even though distance makes the heart grow fonder, it could also get boring not to be able to be mm-hmm. with your partner. Right, right. Well, I think that you made a really important point there when you said like sometimes conversations, when they start to get too surface, that's when things can kind of lead to boredom. And look, like we all get caught up in our day-to-day routines, you know, with work or whatever else is going on in our life. And at times, because of everything going on, you start to find people in relationships, like maybe they just sit down and have dinner and they just kind of download about their day, if they even have the ability to sit down with one another. Sometimes we don't even have that luxury to connect in that way. And we focus on, you know, what's going wrong or fights we might have had with a coworker or stresses we're facing. And we really don't get to connect with one another at a deeper level. So having those more important conversations, um, you know, something that I think that you mentioned, which is really great, is like prioritizing date night and just ways to connect 
with one another throughout the week, even if you only can do it one time a week, that's important too. Um, and even just sharing hobbies with one another because, look, as we grow individually, we can help bring our couple, like our partner, along for that journey by having them explore our new hobbies and interests with one another. And that can be something really fun to experience together. And totally. that infuses excitement into the relationship. Totally. And I'm wondering, though, it could be exciting and you could feel connected, but let's get into like... Uh, the bedroom, right? Sometimes you can feel close Mm -hmm. to someone, but not uh, like that hot anymore. How do you get that spice back like it was? Or do you just have to accept that it's never going to be like it was when you just met? (laughs) No, no, that's not the case. Um, You know, listen, as challenging as this may be for a lot of people, having a conversation about it is the first important thing, right? Um, A lot of people have difficulty talking about sex and intimacy, but if it's on your mind, it's going to be affecting you in the bedroom. It's going to always be there. So getting it out into the open and, you know, talking with your partner about like, what are your desires? Is there something that you want to explore? Is there something that your partner wants to explore? Talk about that together. You know, even things like just connecting, it doesn't always have to be about sex. It could be a focus just on touch and appreciating one another's bodies, and that can bring some of that passion and that arousal back into the bedroom. Totally. Yeah. And, and we're wrapping up. But in this Bustle.com article, it says the reason why you're bored is actually you never argue. You should argue. And you stop mm-hmm. flirting with each other. You forgot to go on dates. You ignore each other. You expect the boredom to go away. And also, this hit me from my last relationship. You always go to the same places. That was a big mm-hmm. thing. I always was like, I love how we have a routine, but like always going to the same places it gets boring. So uh, again, <laughs> yes. ch- check out this Bustle.com article. It's about common mistakes that lead to boredom in a relationship. Thank you so much, Marissa Cohen, for being here. Thank you. Again, Marissa is the head of couple relationships at Paired. Coming up on the show, how watching SVU helped this 11-year-old identify her suspected kidnapper. Yep, that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. An 11-year-old who fought off an alleged kidnapping attempt this week credited a favorite TV series, Law & Order Special Victims Unit, for her quick thinking that helped authorities identify a subject. So watching TV makes a difference. It can make you smarter and help you with real-life stuff. Back with us is stand-up comedian Nikki Paris. Can you believe this high? I mean, I was amazed right away by seeing the... uh, these stories around this i was like what i need to find out how she did this and supposedly she had slime and we all say that slime is a waste of time well she was playing with her slime this guy tries to get her and kidnap her and she puts slime all over him as evidence so then when the police found this guy they saw that the slime was on him and connected it to her how smart is that Honestly, this little girl, Alyssa, is such a smart girl. I mean, I can't believe that she watched that from Law & Order, Shira, because the only thing that I've learned from Law & Order is that I could get aroused from Christopher Maloney before the first commercial break. (laughs) So she's really learning a lot more than I would. And I have to tell you, I don't know if you saw the video, but the driver, the guy who tried to kidnap her, is literally driving a white van. It's so, so obvious. I mean, I thought that that was just a stereotype that that's not true. So I'm so happy that Alyssa is okay. And she's using the slime for good things. Honestly, 
here and makes me judge the children that I do know, like my little cousins. I, I, after I read the story, I called them. I was like, you see this? Alyssa's using the slime for something good. She's not putting it in her pants. An Applebee's. <laughs> or or eat, trying to eat it or something, right? <laughs> right, or putting it up her nose. Like, look at, look, I think Alyssa's going to win a Nobel Peace Prize someday. <laughs> she has my vote. Do they I, vote for that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm um, I'm just surprised that she watches Law and Order. It seems like a grown-up show. Or like, I mean, it's so old school. Like, I didn't even know 11-year-olds watch TV anymore. Let me ask a question that I, is on everybody's minds. Mm-hmm. Nobody get mad at me. Where is her mother? Because she was sitting at the, at, the, at the stoplight. She's watching Law and Order. You know, what is she watching? The Spice Channel? Just as a hobby? <laughs> the Spice Channel. I mean, yes. It, it, it's important in this case to, uh, you know, ask where the adults were. But I, I think at 11, it's normal to be waiting outside, right? At the corner or on the street. My mom never let me out of her sight, but look how I turned out. So I don't think that's a good example. I mean, I, I was smothered. I, she still stalks you everywhere. She's actually listening right now, <laughs> taking she's notes. Actually here. <laughs> she's actually Yeah, she's overhearing you. She's like the ultimate, um, what's called, stage mom, even <laughs> yeah. as you get older. She's a peeping Tom. Well, but yeah, kudos to Alyssa, man. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm proud of her. Alyssa, I'm so glad you're okay. And I mean, what a cool story to have. It is. It is. And, and we want to, yeah, give a shout out to uh, this young girl for doing the right thing. It's a great example. And uh, she supposedly, according to her mom, it doesn't seem traumatized. She's doing very well and continues to have a lot of fun. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that slime companies, here's your new influencer. Forget right. Jojo Siwa. Right. Get, I want to see Alyssa on the next line box. That's this, a move that I could get behind. Yeah, this is the new marketing campaign. She used it to attack her <laughs> kidnapper. What could you do with it? Innovation of slime. Wow. Coming to a KB Toys near you. <laughs> Nikki Paris, you're always fabulous and funny. Appreciate you for being here today. I adore you. Thank you for having me. Again, check out Nikki Paris performing at Las Vegas Laugh Factory end of June 21st to 23rd. Follow him on Instagram, social media, everywhere. It's Nikki Paris. B word. I can't say it, but you get the points. Have a great rest of your day. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with some positivity on our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Thank you, producer Vanessa, for that. <laughs> I tried. Now, Lego has announced its first ever rainbow set just in time for Pride Month. Oh, no. Yes. What a surprise. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> the Danish toy maker announced a new set called Everyone is Awesome, which everyone is. Some people aren't so awesome, but let's just say everyone in this community can be awesome. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this is for children. So well, yeah, okay. but I think adults would buy this, too. I mean, I would buy one of these sets. Anyway, Everyone is Awesome is actually a great title for it. I, I'm not going to, you know, it's easy to poke fun at that. But it's going to feature 11 monochromatic, non-gendered figurines that come together to form a rainbow with black and brown stripes and the transgender flag colors. And this is actually really cool. The Lego set designer, Matthew Ashton, who put this together actually had one of these on his desk at work and the company saw it and then they thought it'd be a great idea to do it as a pride set Aww. isn't that cool so he said that he, i wanted to create a model that symbolizes inclusivity celebrates everyone no matter how they identify or who they love we love that and once again yeah I, you know when ryan is here sometimes like we like to poke fun at all this like special pride stuff like of course they're coming up for stuff with for pride but this one i actually really like and i think this could become a standard thing for people to buy not just during pride. all right let's get one for the studio that's what Shira. i'm talking about and that's our yes queen of the day oh 
Another one, just before we go, I want to give a shout out and remember a lesbian icon, Alex Dobkin, who was a singer-songwriter in the face of the iconic The Future is Female t-shirt photo. Yeah, Uh, she died peacefully in her sleep, surrounded by family on May 19th from a brain aneurysm and stroke. She was 80 years old, so we just want to remember her today and honor her. Uh, One of her most famous and popular songs is called Lesbian Code, where she recites the code words that lesbians use to name their own. So, uh, again, Alex Dobkin, RIP. And if you ever want to nominate... Uh, someone for our Yes Queen of the Day, or just recommend a story for us to cover, slide into our DMs, hit us up on social media, at LGT Show is where you can find us. Now, coming up on tomorrow's show, we are back, of course, weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be talking to a lesbian student who was refused her graduation, and now she is suing the Department of Education on behalf of queer students. She joins us tomorrow. Plus, how to use statistics whether you like math or not, to prepare for the next pandemic. That's tomorrow. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app and search Let's Go There. It's that easy. We are sending you love and light. Bye, guys. Yeah, stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering the cycle of abuse. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.